podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Once upon a time, Flav called up Al and said, Al, we forgot to record an intro. You're going to have to do it, but don't do anything weird. Al said, I can't really understand what you're saying, mate. I, f- I think your face is too fat. Flav then swallowed his phone whole because he thought it was a Mars bar. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. A camel shirt. No. It's episode 19, season 5 of the Fighting Cop Podcast. Welcome, gentlemen. All right. Hello. All right. Uh, I'm with T today. Hello. We've got Spooky. All right. And we've got the world-famous tattoo artist, Lau Hardy. Hello. How are you doing, Lau? Good, man. Good. Um, you've, you've run New Wave Tattoo in Muswell Hill since 79? Well, I started in 79, but the shop in Muswell Hill has been there since 82. Yeah. Oh, so you started out of, uh, I think you mentioned before we started recording in your kitchen. <laughs> I started tattooing in the kitchen, not yeah. recording. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, recording. <laughs> tattooing out of the kitchen. In the, back in the, those days, it was very, very difficult to get a shop, you know. People yeah. were against tattooing, so it was just by good fortune I managed to get the one in Muswell Hill and been there ever since. Yeah, and, and you've, you've obviously famously tattooed a, no, a lot, you know, a number of Premier League footballers and other footballers. Yeah. Um... And, and you're a lifelong Spurs fan? Yeah, my grandfather, he, he came over from Ireland and uh, it was, you know, Danny Blanchflower was one of his heroes. My dad was a, a Spurs supporter, my brother, um, so it was just natural to do that. There's a few rogues in the family that support the Arsenal, but um, yeah. I went to my first game, funny enough, 1968. Uh, we played Arsenal, I always remember... In the West Stand, going up there, you, in those days you did a clicking of the turnstiles and the wooden seats, and that. And the first time you see that green rectangular pitch, do you know yeah. what I mean? As a kid, it was amazing. And uh, we lost 2 1, as per usual. Phil, <laughs> Phil Bill scored an own goal. So. Oh, wow. It weren't a bad side then, 67, 67 68, was it? Yeah, just yeah. won the FA Cup. Yeah, beat Chelsea, didn't we? <clears throat> 
Um, and you, you've obviously, as I said, tattooed lots of Premier League footballs. Like we, we had a lot of questions come in asking yeah. you about some of that. Uh, do you, what are they like, Premier League footballers, to, to deal with and work with? Um, it's an interesting mix because some some of them are very, very switched on. I mean, you have to understand, these are young people that have been put in a position of fame and wealth. Um, one of the things that's sad, if I'm really honest with you, is that I've tattooed a lot of young players that haven't made it from various clubs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, they've got all the aspirations, all the, all the wanting it. You can see that the players that have made it are normally driving Bentleys with a Rangey as a second motor. Yeah. As the kids start to come up, they normally have an Audi and that. And then suddenly clubs will drop them if they're yeah. not going to make it, you know. And there's been stories. We had a, a fella at Tottenham who turned out had an enlarged heart, so he couldn't get insurance and that. Yeah, career finish. That must be difficult for somebody who's been with young players that have then gone on to play, represent their countries, playing cup finals and that. But on the other side of the coin, there's there's the good things like Ryan Mason. I can remember he's been tattooed when he was right young at the shop, and Danny Rose. And I know that both of them boys probably never thought that they get to be first team regulars. And Danny what was that never... by the, that their humility when when they were there? Or they are, but you know, players get put out on loan, don't they? And uh, if you go to a lower league <coughs> club, I mean, I always say to the boys when they're in there, you know, this this could be a stepping stone if you put in good performances. And uh, I mean, the club know more than the supporters what they're doing, but you know. Danny become a hero when he scored that volley, didn't he? Yeah, mate. You know, I texted him and just said, "Told you, bruv." <laughs> so you maintain relationships with the players, I suppose. Yeah, with a lot of players, and not just players from Tottenham. I mean, you know, uh, I'm really, really good pals with Tim Howard. Oh um, yeah, and get on really good with Sylvain Distan, for, which is funny because they was both Everton players at yeah. the time. James Collins from West Ham, he, you know. He's a good lad. Met him when when we were out in New York, and that took him out and about to a few places. Yeah. Yeah, he's a bit of a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I bet most of them are, though. Isn't <laughs> yeah, but as we were getting back to the, the players about you know being young, and uh, if they haven't got guidance around them, it can be difficult for them. You know, they've got influences from friends. Some of them perhaps don't have such strong family ties, and that. Some of the guys are really, really switched on, though, and yeah. they've got a very good business head. I mean, you know, one of the guys, I have to say, at Tottenham, Jermaine Genus, you know, I knew that he would go on and do presenting, but he's got other things aside from football, and uh, he's a really, really nice guy. And Glenn Johnson, um, you know, we tattooed him when he was playing for Liverpool. He's another one, got a good business head on him, you know. Any arseholes? Uh, he's not going to tell you that, <laughs> is he? You lose a customer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that there's... We had one player, uh, I stress that he wasn't a Tottenham player, uh, came came to my shop. I wasn't Guna. there. I wasn't there. No, not a Gunnar. I wasn't there. But he was so rude really? to my staff that the guy who was there just called me out and said, listen, boss, you know, there's no way we're even entertaining this fella. And then his agent got on the, the phone to me and was saying, you know, we'll pay you double. I said, mate, you can pay us whatever you want. It ain't happening. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not that skinner. We need to... To, to, to go back on on our judgment of a player, you know, a person. Yeah. So. Has it changed how you've seen football? Because <clears throat> obviously you were a fan of Spurs before you were a tattooist, but has it changed how you've seen, seen the game? In a... 
you know, in life, we, we all get this thing with golden eras. I, I kind of always think that probably if you talk about Christmas, we all think of our Christmas is all rolled into one. We forget the one where we didn't get, <laughs> you know, the, the presents we wanted. And we think every summer was when we was at school was six weeks of sunshine and said it was pissing down with rain. It's the same with football. There's certain things that... You know, my earliest recollections of seeing players like Alan Gilzean and Jimmy Greaves, Mike England, Cyril Knowles, all the songs I used to sing, yeah. stuff like that, you know, because when you're young, you're developing into things. Personally, I hate what's happened with football, with how the money has come into it. I hate to see how, you know, I mean, Tottenham, in comparison to some of the clubs below us, are richer than them. Yeah. But there's clubs that are richer than us. I've always said what well, I could never happen. I would love to see every premiership team play to the budget of the poorest team in the league and yeah. then let's see how great things are yeah. the money the money and what they're offering to players and every time you hear these old pundits on the radio they always go oh, it's market value in that it's bollocks you know it's it's spoiling football and one day it will be that everyone sits at home and watches it on TV they'll try and get these big European leagues you know, going with just elite clubs, and it will take it away from what was essentially a working class sport. You Absolutely, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, I think to a certain extent, it's already happened. I mean, we we spoke on the phone, didn't we? And you were talking about how, how much you've fallen out of love with it all. And what was your experiences when you were young? Did you go often? Was it? Do you know one of the funny experiences was that? Actually, I sound like a right ponce because <laughs> I used to get free tickets through my through my mum's company. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, I can remember. Come hanging around as you do when you're kids, you know, messing around. I'm walking past the corner pin as a kid, and Alan Gilzean and Jimmy Greaves was in there having a beer. Yeah. I mean, you can't even <laughs> imagine such things now, you know. Well, um, they used to get the bus home sometimes after, after the games. I mean, it was a completely different world, wasn't it? My, yeah. my old man said he, saw, he remembered seeing players in the pub, and, and it weren't like a big, a, a massive deal. Well, they used to open uh, their own businesses. Like uh, one, of, one of the guys had a clothes shop locally. The guy had a tie shop. Yeah, that, that's, that's probably what yeah. I'm thinking about. Yeah, so it's just a different. The thing is, different world. I guess you know one of the things that I can say from meeting a lot of the players is that when people say it's a short career, before I knew players, I used to think, "What are they talking about?" You know. And one of the things we do have to say is, though, that players, even if they're on £100,000 a week, they're not walking out with £100,000 in readies in a carrier bag. No. You know, straight away they're taxed massively on that. You've got agents' fees coming out. I mean, they are set for life. But I was saying to a young player the other day, what I've worked all my life to get, right, you're getting it now, but you've got to have the mindset that you may not, you've got to think what it's going to be like when you're not walking out yeah. to the adulation of players anymore, yeah. and you, if you're finished at even say forty, which is old for a player, yeah. if you live another forty years, you've got half your life where you might not be getting an income like that you're used to. And yeah. that's one of the things that I think is sad because I would never say names, but I know players that have got nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing now, yeah. who've played in the Premiership. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, there's, there's a stat that one in five people, one in five players go bankrupt. Now, yeah. Brad Friedel did, and he managed to get it back. What, T, what you got a question? No, no, I'm just saying this, um, it's, it's a bit of an eye-opener, because um, we're in an age where we want to know everything about everybody, so um, if you see a footballer, we want to know everything about his personality and his character and everything, whereas um, back then, Greavesy and Gilzean could sit in a pub and 
not really be bothered that much. There's Can a, you imagine Harry Kane having a having a pint? And he just wouldn't be allowed to. That's just the scary thing about it. He just wouldn't be allowed he, to. He, do he, I, I he tell you, brother, he the access, brother can't. The access that you get. Allow because you're tattooing them. You actually probably get more time with them as a one to one than any fan could ever yeah, hope to. I'll, and and uh, you know what? In in some respects, it's a uh, it's kind of a privilege in a way. But I always like to I always say to them, you know, I try and give them sometimes a little bit of advice just yeah. about generally in life. Yeah. And I say, don't look at me like I'm an old idiot. Yeah. Because I've been 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah. I'm 57 now. You ain't been that age, but I've been through it. And I can remember saying to one of our boys who there was a little bit of a high-profile thing about him being drunk one night in a club, and uh, I was chatting to him, and I said, you know what? I've been pissed loads of times, made a right mug of myself. I said, but I'm nothing. You're in the public eye. You can't do that. You know? And it goes back to what we're saying about really they need people around them. I've always thought at clubs it would be good... Like, say when Harry was here, Harry was 65 or something, right? Yeah. And you've got a player who's 18, Harry would be the age of his grandfather. So yeah. I think that clubs really need somebody middle in the middle age, between 18 and 65, who's had a bit of a life, who can say to these boys, listen, you can't be doing that, you can't be acting like that. Because some of them, you know, you see it, don't you, with young players yeah. in the news that really they've done things that are bad errors of judgment, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think of like Pochettino now? Because it's kind of a new breed of, of management, uh, kind of detra- detracting from the typical old school type management. What, what do you say at Tottenham? I mean, how many managers have We've we tried had? Style, <laughs> boy. We I, I think at the moment, what I will say is I like the way that he kind of is just tripping along with things. Nice. He keep, seems to keep his head down. I'm sure that he speaks much better English. Yeah. Than what he says, and I think it's good that the Premier League is so unpredictable at the moment that the focus isn't so much on Tottenham. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, when Harry was there, Harry was a big media personality. People always looking at things. I mean, when AVB was there, you just knew that, that they was out for him, weren't they, from the minute mm. he got there? But I think Pochettino, he seems to. He, he seems passionate about what he's doing, but in a quiet way, you know. Yeah. Let's just hope that we stick with him. I mean, I suppose it's hard to dislike any, really. Well, you know, we've had some managers there that are some of their things you question. Yeah, absolutely. You know, who's your favourite all-time Spurs player? Well, it's a very difficult question because over the years you see so many players, but I would have to say that. For my early days, I really loved Jimmy Greaves just yeah. because, and and I love Greavesy anyway. Alan Gilsey oh. was a great player. I'll tell you a story. We played Torino in the Anglo-Italian Cup Winners' Cup, and although you shouldn't condone violence, <laughs> this Italian player kept going at Gilly all the time, you know. Yeah. And I happened play was at one end. I happened to turn and look the other way and see Gilsey punch his geezer straight in the stomach. Right, <laughs> no cameras there, nothing. But you just knew that that was him going, "Yeah, fuck, I get that." <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I like Gilsey, but I love Graham Roberts. The yeah. fact that he had that that fighting spirit, you know. Um, you got to say, like, for me, meeting the players and getting to know them, any of them who score against Arsenal, yeah. You just love them even more, you know. 
when when Azza put the ball in in that 4-4 with them yeah. and we lost 5-4 to Arsenal that goal that Defoe scored was amazing Genes mm. you know. do you talk to them about that because you told Defoe you told Genes you told Carl Walker all scored against Arsenal yeah you, yeah yeah what are they like do they talk like a fan or is it is it hard for them during well it's interesting with some of them because some of them are fans of other clubs you yeah. know I mean Carl, I really like Carl Walker I get on brilliant with him but you know he's a Sheffield fan mm. and that but you know, he, he's definitely feeling that he's going in the right way with Tottenham now. Um, the other day when you saw JJ wipe his nose on the Arsenal shirt, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I sent him a text going, bruv, legend. And he, go, <laughs> he goes, what do you think I was going to do? You know what I mean? So they kind of... I bet their, their fans got their right knickers in a twist like that. Yeah, but I guess we would have done the same thing. And it, it goes back to, you got to ask yourself questions about the shirt. <clears throat> Remember when Hossam Ghali threw his shirt yeah, on yeah. and everyone was like... Yeah. If that had been a player that we all love doing it, would we have said he'd done that in frustration or yeah. passion? Yeah, you'd know, have made excuses. Yeah, Hasn't he come out this week and said it, 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 he's basically getting abused because the camera angle made it look like he was throwing his shirt? Oh, some garlic? Yeah. This <laughs> happened in 2006. No, he's come out. I think he's, he's, where's Martin Yo these days? Because I think he might reconnect with Martin Yo. Oh, so maybe that's why he's talking Jesus about Christ. it. No idea. I'll tell, I'll tell you, you know, you can't... Martin Yo. <laughs> He was a, a funny old boy. Wasn't yeah, he, he was. He yeah. couldn't help but really like that fella. I loved him. I still yeah. love him. Sad the way that they they got rid of him. Really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there were good times. Like in terms of the support, like everyone was unified. Yeah. There was There was. I think it was probably at the start of Tottenham beginning to to, to improve and actually yeah. live up to to you know the challenge of competing in, in the in the top four. Yeah, it was mad though when when all the boys were coming to the shop. You know, there was that time. I mean, Darren Bent. Uh, he was the first player, and then I remember one time he brought loads of them down there. Yeah, they, I remember the pictures they, from there. They had all their cars out the front. You know, it was it was like really cool to meet them all. And first of all, you know, you kind of can't help being a little bit starstruck by it. Yeah, and cool. It changes how you feel because Darren Bank got dogs abuse from the Spurs fans, and when Harry said that his missus could have put that header in against Portsmouth, that's there, right. Right, if you knew, if you get to know players. You know that for everything they say about managers knowing their players and that, you don't say something like that. You put your arm around a boy and just say, next time, yeah, it'll go in. And, you know, at that time, when when we won the, the League Cup and we beat Chelsea and all that, I can remember saying to them, I was in America at the time trying to watch it on TV and all that, and when I got back, seen them all, just asking them, and the excitement, the buzz of it. And that's one of the sad things that's happening with football now. To finish fourth because of the financial benefits yeah, of it, yeah. is much more important than winning silverware. My first cup final, 1972, Wolverhampton Wanderers, UEFA Cup, as a young kid, that was just amazing. It just blew your mind to see, you know, to see your team with a bit of silverware and that. that was, they were great nights. But now, we, people would sacrifice the FA Cup and the League Cup to finish fourth. Absolutely. I mean, do you find it difficult to um, tattoo like a Guna badge? Because you must get a few requests for, for something. He's a professional. <laughs> He's going to do no, a no, good I job. No, no, I mean, to be honest with you, because it's your job yeah. and you have to do it, but I will say a funny story, and the, and the geezer's a mate of mine. Uh, th- this fella come in, he had an Arsenal tattoo uh, of a cannon. It was done so bad that I, I was geeing him up, saying, well, you know, when did you, when did you change from a cannon to a wheelbarrow? <laughs> <laughs> He started to large it all up, you know, to, to give it large. So he was having a cover-up of it. He was having a picture of a Staffordshire Bull Terrier over it. 
But I actually just grabbed his arm and wrote Spurs on him. <laughs> and then after I'd done the dog over it, he was like, I'm glad you covered that you up. Stuck, <laughs> I said, but it's there. <laughs> it's <laughs> on you. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, you can't help it. Well, then he got a picture of me and stuck it on a Gooner site. I was oh, saying, remember the Steve and his Gooners. So, you know, a lot a lot of them um, come in the shop. I remember when I, I used to, I guess I can look a bit intimidating at times, but I'm not, but... One guy was saying, I can smell you're a gooner. You're a gooner. And he wasn't having a football tag. He was going, I'm not. Swear I'm, I'm not going <laughs> You are. I can tell. <laughs> anyway, he got his tattoo done and that. And then a couple of months later, I went in a restaurant with my missus. And there's a fella sat there with an Arsenal shirt on. And it was him. I said, oh, I knew it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm not one of them people that gets into banter. Yeah. You know, when, like, when it was all mine, the gap. And, yeah, yeah. And, our manager fucked it up. Yeah. I kind of like like to just wait until the moment he's right. Like yeah. a West Ham fan yeah. sent me a picture the other day before the game of a, a hammer smashing a cockerel. Yeah, yeah. And he went, Can you do this tattoo on me, bro? So <laughs> I left it. <laughs> Once the fourth goal went in, I texted him, Do you still want to get that tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> to which he got the old ump with us. The dog's abuse was happening. But. Of course it was. Uh, <laughs> you must have had some reservations about Jack Wilshere coming in. Uh, mate, I'll tell you. Listen. We might have to edit this bit out no, afterwards. All, no, what I'm going to say is that for, for us, we're Tottenham fans. We, I've even told him. I've phoned him up, seriously, before the last FA Cup final and said, if you if you win it, don't be messing around with all that singing again. Yeah, yeah. I have a bit of a bit of a laugh with him. But wouldn't we want our players to have the passion for Tottenham that he's got for Arsenal? I tell you, we've said it on here. He's the only Arsenal fan uh, player. I hate him, obviously, because I'm supposed to. He's, he's, he's Arsenal and I'm Spurs. But he's the only one that gets it. I'll tell you what. The only one that gets the rival. I'll tell you. Right. When, remember there was a pictures of him smoking? Yeah. He was getting a tattoo done in my shop, and uh, I always like playing practical jokes. I stuck a cigar in his mouth and took a photo and said, <laughs> selling it to the papers. I mean, I don't. It, but to, to be fair, as I said, you know, I, I feel a bit, as a player, I feel sorry for him because I think, you know, he seems to be cursed with the injury thing. He's there, the Arsenal sick note. But as a, as a person that I know, I can't dislike him because I always have banter with him. And to be fair, he's an Arsenal fan, the same as I'm a Tottenham fan. And let's just not let him win again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, do you know that there's a kind of crossover between football culture and tattoo? Uh, and the tattoo subculture has also always been attached to other subcultures like the punks and, mm. and I can't think of any of us. But, um, you know, heavy metal, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. But football doesn't seem unlikely. Football's been really weird because you've seen a change in how it's happened. People used to be really patriotic getting England tattoos, right? And if you look at England games now, you see where Club Wembley is, it's always empty. And I mean, I went to a game and just said to the people behind me, have you actually come here for the football because mm. you're doing our brain in talking shit? <laughs> nothing to do with football that was there. And when you see the flags... Most of them are from lower league clubs, aren't they? Those people That's right. really, really giving them the support. I really think that's changed now. I never thought I'd say this, and I was always country over club. Now I would be club over country, and I think that's so. That side of the football thing has changed the amount of England tattoos we used to do. But on the football side of things, you find a lot of people getting them done that would never have even got a tattoo years ago. Yeah. 
I tattooed a director of Tottenham. I tattooed a solicitor from Tottenham. Right, who represents the club over the years. You'd never think that, would you? No. <laughs> you know. Are you saying Dav- Daniel Levy's got a copper on his back? <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, like a Yakuza tattoo, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's definitely, um, you know, because tattooing has improved so much and because there's so many great tattooists out there now, which there didn't used to be. In London, there was, when I first started, there was probably 10 tattooists. Now there's three times that amount in Camden. You know, there's there's amazing artists out there. People getting portraits of players, people getting badges and and things. So the crossover has changed. But before it was a little bit more hardcore. You know, in the eighties, if you had a football tattoo, it was kind of you were really showing your allegiance massively. Yeah. You know, well, mostly working class people. Yeah. And now, it, it, you know, the woman who sits next to me at football and her daughter, I've tattooed both of them with Tottenham tattoos. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, you a season ticket, you sit next to yeah, them? Yeah, yeah, All right, so you got to know them that way. All right, look, we're going to talk a little bit more about the tattoo industry in the in the next half, but we've got to move on to, uh, actually, quickly, just to say 1882 is sold out, Block 35, completely sold out. There is Block 36 that's been made available. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're desperate to go and you haven't got a ticket, then you can buy in um, 36. But 45 is all gone, as is the rest at the bottom of the part lane, all gone. I think most of it has, yeah. Yeah, all right. And fanzines are going to print tomorrow. Um, so they'll be out beginning of the next week, or be back beginning of the next week, and be sent out accordingly. Let's talk about West Brom. Uh, Lau, did you manage to catch the game? No. Uh, was you working? Yeah. Okay, well, I can say... No, you didn't miss a great deal. It was uh, it was my, it was a bit I was a bit disappointed, but I can understand that West Ham uh, West Brom nullified us. Um, they defended very deep. They defended very well. Um, they tried to hit us on the counter, and, and they did that to uh, relatively su- relative success. Rondon was difficult up front. He was. I think we were there were so many below par Spurs players. It's one of those games that you can't really sort of tactically dissect because. We 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 didn't play that well. No, do you know what I mean? And, and maybe I, I know you 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 said it in conversation uh, um, after the game that maybe I don't know a few years back we would have lost that, we would have found a way to lose that. Whereas at the minute we we find ways to to to, to always get away with a point at the very least. We didn't look like losing though. No, but uh, we never we never really looked like losing. Whenever we really been outclassed this season. Not League over, wise, not, not over right. an entire game. No, no uh, we, we're we're always in control, even when we're we're playing poorly. But it's it's frustrating. People are banging on about we're we're drawing too many games at the minute. But you know, you, the flip side of that is, had we won all those games, we'd be top by by, by miles. We're, we're not. We're obviously not that that good at the minute. Well, yeah, Do you know I mean, what I mean? We're drawing the games because there's still something missing from our from our game. But West Brom had um, five players in defence with um, Johnny Irvins as the extra man to kind of cover the space mm. where Ericsson normally occupies. So that just shows how teams are preparing against us now. Um, the West Ham game was probably the apex, and I think that game has probably given us ideas that you know maybe we can challenge for the title. But we are going to come up against teams who put all their men behind the ball, and it's going to be difficult. And it's almost like that's the way to play against us. I mean, Chelsea's done it with success, and um, now West Brom. So, now what do you think? Do you think we could? Challenge for the title based on watching Spurs over the years? No. No. <laughs> See, I'm, I had my old man on here a couple of weeks ago and he's about five years older than you and he was like, yep, definitely can challenge. I, I think that, you know, the, the, the thing is, if we always look 
to finish between six and eight. Realistically, I think the club are happy to do that. I had a conversation with an Arsenal fan saying that Arsenal, I think that their shareholders are not happy if they always finish top four. Mm. We need to push on, um, but we, we have to look at, at our club and question some of the things that have happened. The money from Gareth Bale, was that well spent? No. No. And we do need, I think, another striker of class. Yeah. Are they going to get him in January? Chances are no. Yeah. I think that our biggest chance was when Chelsea won the Champions League. If we had finished that one place higher, we would have put Arsenal out of the Champions League, whether Chelsea went in through winning it or not and I think that that was a defining moment in our history mm. you know Harry could have been a hero forever and ever in the annals of our club history and really it That's was fine an, mar- margins again it, isn't it it was it's an just... opportunity missed and I think that there were certain games I think in that whole season I think the FA personally in my own opinion should have come out and said we don't want the man because through people I know at the club it was pretty obvious he wasn't going to be their chosen fella Yeah. whether he knew that or not I doubt his eye was off the ball and I think that we were so close then that really really made a difference but you know when we get a new ground who knows it's, that, I mean the thing that fans have got to realise is when we get a new ground it's going to be hard for us we're going to have a new ground that the players aren't used to playing on. Yeah, there's going to be debts and that to pay out. You know, we might we might have to sell players and things, but long term, it's what we need and the the plans and the naming rights and stuff that's going on behind the scenes that hasn't been made public yet. There's things that are good. I mean, I had a guy in from the NFL who, who said to me, "You do not understand how big the deal that you've got with the NFL is going to be for your club." Mm. I mean, quite whether or not we should be an NFL, mixing NFL yeah, franchise. But that is the way it is. And if we don't, I mean, let, let's face it, you know, West Ham have been dealt a massive slice of good fortune through, through getting the Olympic Stadium. Um, you know, I don't want to say too much about that, but let's see what happens in the future because I think there's things going to come out about that stadium and about procedure and everything that's yeah. going on. But for us, we've got to do it the hard way, haven't we? We've got to get finance, build it. Well, we get to stay in Tottenham as well, because that's a bonus. Well, <laughs> don't agree. <laughs> no, I mean, they're gonna, they're all, I've, I'd, all I would say is, I don't know if other fans listen to this have found it, I mean, the last two games I've been to, I parked the other side of the A10 coming from Wood Green. It's yeah. been a nightmare down there. Yeah. Parking's getting worse and worse. If we if we increase our capacity by 25,000, 30,000, they've definitely got to have some better transport infrastructure there. Yeah, well, I don't know. What's, is there anything going on with Northumberland Park? Are they, they what, what Hot Lane is now on the Overground um, Network. So you can, I think. Um, There's going to be a walkway built that goes yeah. from the station from White Hart Lane straight over. Yeah, that's true. Northumberland yeah. Park, I don't know if it's right, if I put this right or not. I heard that the sidings come further down. Yeah. So they're talking about moving the station further down. But I mean, these things can't happen overnight, can they? No. Nah. But would any of you here have thought? 
that we would ever have a stadium built next to White Hart Lane, a new stadium. No, that was utopia, wasn't it? It was like, it was something you wouldn't imagine. I I can remember when the Emirates was built, my mate, who's the most devout Arsenal fan in the world, saying, you will never see a stadium as good as this built in London. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Now there's going to be two more. There's about four better than that. (laughs) We've got a better stadium now. It's a shithole. And built on a rubbish tip. And uh, I heard the other day that the uh, underground car park has got a big fault line running through it, so they've got to underpin it all. Brilliant. That's fantastic. More of that sort of stuff. <laughs> so that's why you know God hates them. That's what it is. <laughs> He's thought, fuck that. What I'm going to do is going to fuck He don't hate them as much car. as us, does he? <laughs> 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 no, he tests our devotion to him. That's all he does. We've been on this unbeaten run from the start of the season, been talked about a lot. Um, we've only had three wins in the last eight. A lot of draws. Are you still happy with our progress? Um, yes. Um, I was having a conversation earlier on at work, and um, even if you don't better our finished last season, I still think we're making progress and that we've got um, our best players, our three new players, Dyer, Ali and Alderweireld. And, you know, they've come and they've done well. So if they have a season under their belts, been a Tottenham player, next season I think we'll just push on and do even better. So I think we are making progress. I mean, um, with the Chelsea game, we would have lost that, wouldn't we? A couple. Oh, of easily. Because we would have lost a lot Saturday. We would have lost. Yeah. In the last, you're right. There's a new steel to to what what we're doing. Yeah, we're hard team to beat. Very hard team to beat, and that's where the progress is. Last season, we, we we're going to. Well, sorry to say, we're going to play. New, we're going to Newcastle later on, and mm. you know we lost that game meekly. That we, wouldn't happen this year. We just yeah. got to hope that the players that are, that are really making waves at the moment don't get their heads turned once again. You know, I mean, I, I had an agent come in my shop once, and this guy started telling me that he was a right mouthy person. Didn't, didn't like him, man. No, I you did can not. Swear, I, by the way. Okay, I did not like this fella yeah. because his whole whole ethos was despicable. If you if you're an honourable person, mm. this geezer had no scruples and no morals whatsoever, and. Uh, I listened to the shit that he was talking and it really pissed me right off. Yeah. But then he did give me the Spurs Opus free of charge. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. So, but uh, a grand, it's, isn't it? It's a grand tip, isn't well, it? Well, it was, the, uh, <laughs> it was the, the limited edition captain's one. But to be honest with you, it's that big and useless. You can't <laughs> open it or put it anywhere. So. Was it in, in the loft, is it? <laughs> it's in the downstairs room. <laughs> um, we've also this worry about uh, we've got a question actually, Cosmic Roger, Roger about his thing called... Is it Bielsa? Yeah, Bielsa. Bielsa burnout, which is a thing that's been associated to his team. Is obviously, Pochettino is a disciple of, of uh, Bielsa. Um, and his Marseille team famously... Um, well, crashed and burned. Exactly. And we saw Spurs in the latter part of the season last year suffer from fatigue. Is this something we've got to worry about? I don't think so. No? <laughs> but I keep hearing about how we haven't peaked yet fitness-wise. The, the, what, what is instilled at the club is just that the... I mean, I'm not saying players won't burn out. If we, if we persevere with Harry Kane up front yeah. for the whole season, the, the guy's going to burn out. It's just one individual. But I think the, the fitness re- regime at the club and the, the whole way it's working, apparently they're pacing themselves and we might not peak until early next next year. Which, who's, who's saying this? Just rumours out coming out of hospital where I can't... I, can't <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the thing that we have got to, got to, got to say... I'm not making it up. Yeah, yeah but some, some players, you know, are going to peak at different times and if they can make a contribution that at the end of 90 minutes has meant that we've got three points, yeah. 
you know, I still think Lamella's going to come come good. Yeah. I keep well, hoping. I, feel, uh, I think he's been already been better yeah, this yeah, season. But I, you think he's going to turn it on? I think that, you know, sometimes players just... I mean, look at Gareth Bale, right? Yeah. When he scored that hat-trick when we was 4-0 down. Came yeah. out nowhere almost. That changed everything, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Changed everything. I mean, we were aware that he's, he was on the rise, but that was special. Yeah, but that, that was, was amazing. And, you well, know, like but, they said, if that game had have gone on for another 10 minutes... 100% I reckon we would have been 4-4 so you're open for this kind of lamella type of mer- mer- mercurial performance yeah you know but sometimes mercurial performances are they're a luxury aren't they yeah yeah, yeah. I think that the, the, he's kind of the he's the least like a luxury luxury player that exists <laughs> you know what I mean he changes, changes the whole game hasn't he because when you got him you thought what is he yeah. what, is he, what, what is he going to do he's too small he he don't look like a footballer. He, he, he wasn't he wasn't built he for the like Premier League. a small League. boy, really. and he turned into a nasty, spiteful kind of hard tackling, gets stuck in quite quite a vicious little player um, with a bit of skill. So uh, we might like loud. We might right, right be onto something here. Uh, there's a um, man on Twitter. There's a Liverpool fan as well. Why don't Lemon just fuck off? <laughs> just kept pressing their players every five minutes. <laughs> why, why, why don't he just fuck off? <laughs> just kept every every five minutes, just you know, in their faces. And um, I think he's someone who has taken on Pochettino's methods. You know, to you know, he's the poster boy to the for, team, for yeah. pressing. What, what I think what you need from players though is you need players who've got a desire to win and a desire for success, rather than players that have got a desire for a wage. You know, and that yeah. is the, the the fortunes that players can make now. You know, even for a massively average player, is incredible. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and you've seen it with clubs, haven't you? Where players have done nothing; they've just been swanning around, picking up their their, their ticket at the end of the week. Yeah. Which is the culture we had at Tottenham. That Michael Carrick famously cited that there was a culture of comfort where people just turned up. I'm at Tottenham. I'm going to earn decent money. I've got a high profile. We just get on with it. But whereas now, go back to what you said earlier about heads being turned. I think there's a spirit at Tottenham that's undeniable. Well, they've got everybody at the club plays for the coach. The coach believes in every every one of those players. We've got rid of all the the deadwood. There's like a, the philosophy, which is like the probably the only word that he knows. But you know, to be honest with you, that philosophy I've got to say, when AVB was there, I mean, I think he was on a loser from the beginning because the fans didn't really want him there. Mm. But he did have an ethos that players told me about that he wanted. Everyone, he, he saw Tottenham as a team. And when I say a team, I mean from the kit man, the groundsman, hmm. the lady who bought the tea, the guys who run the laundry, everything. He wanted that to be an all-encapsulating team, the Tottenham team. And sadly, there were some players who didn't enter into that. And some of them, you know, even players that I knew and I spoke to as friends, were just disruptive. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, if you've if you've got that, it's a shame. Really. You know, so. I think that was at the uh, Pochettino at the start. He yeah. managed to get him out. Really, I mean, I, I don't know if Lennon was one. I know you've tattooed Lennon, so I don't. You, you'd know him much better than me. But he got rid of Lennon. He got rid of Kabul. He got rid of um, Adibayor. Adibayor. I don't. Believe, I don't believe that Aaron was because Aaron didn't want to leave the club. No, no well, maybe no. not. But he just happened but, to leave at the same I, time. I don't believe that. Some of the other players that you just mentioned, I mean, sometimes when you hear things that people have had a juju hex put on them by yeah. a member of the family, yeah. I mean, in what other what other job yeah. could you go to work and say, my <laughs> grandmother's put a hex on me or my auntie's put a curse on me, I'm going to need some time off work, boss, 
okay, you're on full wages, off you go. You know, <laughs> Not only just that, come he's on. He's still on 100 grand a week at Spurs. I read in the paper the other day. Still I, getting I can't seven, believe that. Yeah, it is. Really? He's still got 75 grand from Man City. Is that still concrete, though? Did it, I think they paid him a lump sum. It was in the paper. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's in the paper, <laughs> so it's... I've got to say, I mean... more interesting than it not being true. You know, we've had the eye tattooed him when he was at Arsenal and when he was at Tottenham. And I think it's kind of sad that a, that a player who ha- has got ability, yeah. there seems to be something in his psyche that sometimes self-destructive. If self destructive is the word, but just to lose sight of what he's got in front of him, what's yeah. there, you know. Was he uh, a nice guy based on the time you spent with him? I'll, t- I'll tell you something now, right? He was quite a funny guy. <laughs> And I never had a problem problem with him. Um, when he came to the shop one time, it was when he was at Arsenal. All these kids turned up because my shops were smacking the Arsenal area, which is a nightmare. Yeah. But all these kids turned up, and he signed everything for them. Mm. You know, that seems to be the barometer for a decent guy in football. He signed <laughs> a contract with us as well. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Daniel. <laughs> I saw a picture of Ben Ben Marasuakoto tattooing you. Is that actual? Did he nah, do a tattoo? No, no it was just no, a wind no. up. Uh, I mean, I was, Ben Mar is another enigmatic character, but very perplexing. I mean, what what happened to him? Fuck knows. Because he was, you know, I mean. <sighs> When Modric is on that side, he was like their link link up play was amazing. I yeah. thought we got a world class left back here. And he, he, but I got to say, he was a really funny bloke. Yeah. In so in so many ways, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I was kind of sad that it didn't really materialise. I think he could have had a future at our club if the mindset was right. It certainly weren't, though, was it? I mean, no. I think the, for, for, to a certain extent, people kind of. They enjoy these kind of lackadaisical, not really giving a shit about football, and it's purely this is my job, and it's what I mean. It was kind of re- refreshing. Um, I think but then I think Redknapp kind of um, allowed that to happen with a lot of players. You know so what? Yeah, though? He being indulged, um, added by your Asuakoto and Van der Vaart. Yeah, and but I, you know, I don't know whether sometimes you don't know if it's an illusion what people are throwing at you. I mean, Ben Roy used to say to me, oh, "You know, I don't watch football," but is that true? Mm-hmm. Is it true? You can always, you know, yeah. you can yeah. always say these things. Like yeah, of course. All right, that's it from the first half of the Fighting Cock podcast. We've got a competition coming up in a second. We don't often have competitions, but we've got a lovely giveaway. Um, but we're going to run it in the second half because first half's run on too much. Um, yeah, there's other bits and pieces as well. Now we've got Windy. Yeah. Windy, back to draw the fucking knowledge, blood. I see you, I've got your back. Windy here, back with the weekly youth update, looking at our young players and players out on loan. Slightly different update this week, but I'll start off by saying that Connor Ogilvie, Grant Ward and DeAndre Yedlin all got some action for their respective loan clubs uh, this weekend and our under-18s drew 0-0 at Reading on Saturday morning. But I've just watched their under-21s lose 2-0 to Southampton at the Lamech Stadium in Stevenage and I just wanted to check in on uh, some of those young players I've not really seen a great deal of um, the youth sides this year for various reasons. So it was nice to see see the match. Firstly, it was streamed by Spurs, Spurs to the official website, and we did a really good job of that. Uh, the stream held up well and the commentary was decent, so that was nice. 
Some of our players had really good games, some less so. It was sort of what you'd expect. Uh, Spurs dominated the possession for the majority of the match. Found ourselves 1-0 down when um, a free kick, which I'm not sure was a free kick, but it was given for a foul by Luke Amos, who started at left-back. It was whipped in from the right-hand side of Southampton, uh, left-footed effort from Matt Target, and it went in at the far post. No one got a touch, basically, so Glover was in a difficult position. And then they scored a second on the counter when Spurs were pushing forward to try to score. Spurs really did play quite well in stages, but we were quite toothless up front. Coulthurst, who is a real trier, but who does lack lack quality in the final third, um, struggled to make things stick up front. And Anton Walks played just behind him. Walks has got a few goals recently, and he seemed to be getting a bit of um, praise from, from Ekiog in post-match reports. I'm still not convinced about Walks as a player, and I certainly don't think this position with the number 10 on his back is, is really going to work out for him in the long term. I felt like we needed a bit more creativity in behind the forward, and ideally Harrison would have played up front, although it could possibly mean that he's um, being saved for Thursday's Europa League match, so that remains to be seen. On the right, we had Walker Peters at right back, who had a fantastic game from start to finish, and Andros Townsend played again just ahead of him. Townsend's attitude was first class, really worked his socks off for the team, went on loads of good runs, put in some good crosses, was generally creative, and he had a very positive outing. We had a solid back four generally, so Walker Peters at right back, Amos played at left back, and then we had Carter Vickers and Velkovic at centre back, both of whom played well and both brought the ball out well from the back as well. Philip Lesniak anchored the midfield and did what he usually does, kept things ticking over nicely without being spectacular. He had Walks ahead of him and Winks alongside him. Winks had an excellent match. Uh, he made a few stray passes at the start but really grew into the game. He was very, very tidy with his touch and passing. And I felt that when he came off, again, perhaps being saved for Thursday, I felt like we lost a bit of impetus. We had Anthony Georgie playing on the left. Uh, Georgie did OK when he had the ball. He needs to demand the ball more and I'd like to see him be a little bit more direct and run, run towards goal more rather than running towards the corner flag constantly. Glover will be slightly disappointed with the first goal that he conceded um, but he did make a fantastic reflex save and he had a generally uh, positive match. His distribution was good. He likes to pass the ball out from the back um, and he, he did the right thing the majority of the time. We brought on Sanupe for Townsend, and he did well on the right. And we also brought on Tanganga for Winks. Tanganga went to left-back, and that allowed Amos to put, um, move into midfield, where he looks more comfortable, in my opinion. On the whole, a positive showing from Spurs, although we lacked cutting edge. And like I say, I think that would have um, been helped somewhat had we had Shaylen Harrison up front. And I'd like to see Will Miller um, play in behind the striker, um, certainly ahead of walks but Miller has been out injured for a long time so perhaps they're easing him back into things with a few substitute appearances. A couple more snippets from me before I sign off. Firstly the Musa Yahaya deal. Um, I've heard rumours that that might not now go ahead. I gather that he is available um, sometime early in the new year to actually play proper matches but I get the impression that the hierarchy haven't been overly impressed by him and, and maybe they feel like he's not worth the effort in terms of the hassle of getting his work permit sorted and what have you. The other thing is that Velkovic is now speaking to the club um, about a contract. So 
I'm not saying it's back on the table, but it's a possibility, whereas a couple of weeks ago, it absolutely wasn't. That would be great if we can get him tied down to a contract. Uh, we also have a loan move, I gather, to Brentford set up for him should he sign on. So, fingers crossed. That's it for this week. If you're interested in more of the young players, follow me on Twitter at WindyCoys. That's Coys for Come On You Spurs. Thank you very much, Windy. It's the second half of the Fighting Crop podcast. Um, yeah, so the Savile Rogue scarf giveaway. This is a lovely thing. It's like it, it comes cashmere, man. That's, cashmere. Some, that's some pimp shit. It is. It's, it's, it's probably the best football scarf I've ever touched. And we did, we've we, we did a giveaway a couple of years ago, and um, it, it's the same sort of thing. But it, we're giving away a hat, a cashmere hat, Spurs hat, and a cashmere. Can I enter the competition? Wait, what? A cashmere hat? Cashmere hat. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 the kind of thing footballers might wear. A cashmere hat. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit plush. It's a little bit. You know, there's decadence about it. But it's West End gear, basically. Yeah, West End gear. That's right. But. Um, you know what? It is a lovely thing. It comes boxed in paper tissue, and it's just—it's lovely. And even if you don't want it yourself, it's, you know, it's a good way to get a Christmas gift. And last time we had about ten entries, so you have a good chance. <laughs> to good enter. chance. But you, you can't just—you know—we're going to get you to do a little bit of work. So we've got a question. So we're looking for yours or something that's happened to someone you know. Their most roguish behaviour, because it's all Savile Rogue, the scarf. Um, it has to be Tottenham related. And uh, it could be at a game or elsewhere. And uh, you win the scarf. It's worth 70 quid. The hat's worth 30 quid. So it's a you know, nice little present to give away. Has anyone else got any roguish stories? The thing, the thing I actually thought to myself earlier when I've been in this podcast for four years and I've exhausted pretty much every single tale okay. that, that I've got. Um, I mean, there's a bonus that get. I think we played, we played Fiorentina in, earlier on this year. And um, in Europe, they have their no smoking rule like we do over here. So this bloke is absolutely pissed. He could barely move because he couldn't move and he wanted a cigarette. Yeah. He just sat where he was in the middle of a crowded pub. <laughs> just out of fact. Because they could have saw how pissed he was. They just didn't, they just didn't shift and they just left him there. Well, just, you know. That, that's, that, that story probably wouldn't win you the No, I wouldn't win it. I'm talking all the funny ones. But engineer our story about having a poo in a lift in Manchester, uh, in Milan. That's not, oh yeah. It's yeah. Dis- it was disgusting. By his own admission, he hated it and he hates himself for it and we hate him for it. But, um... You know, that kind of stuff. Send, send us an email in, and the worst stuff, as long as it's legal and it won't get you into trouble, we'll, we'll read out next week. Uh, and the winners will, will send off this scarf. I'm not sure how... I haven't really thought this through, so the worst behaviour wins the scarf, but there you go. Um, now, we were talking in the break a little bit about the tattoo industry. Is, is it still difficult to make a living and, and, and run a shop in the current climate, or is it something to survive? How have you found it? For me, it's okay because, as I keep saying to the young players about put your money into bricks and mortar, yeah. you know, that's what I did from when I was young. From when I first had my shop, I got a chance to buy it. So I bought it, you know, mm. which just took a lot of the pressure off because there's so many studios around now, so many people opening places, it just seems to be going on unabated. But I know through the boom and bust years of Thatcher and the Blair years where we had the recessions and that, that it's not going to last forever. Yeah. But my shop will last as long as I'm around because we've got, you know, we've got a good reputation. We're well established. Um, it's not as easy as it was, but it's still, if you run it right, it's still good, you know. Is it hard to find good artists? No. So there's, there's plenty there's, around. There's so many good artists out there now. I mean, years ago, the tattoo world was, was run by intimidation. You know, people, when I first started, a guy threatened me. I, I was actually so scared when he threatened me that I, I just burbled out, yeah, yeah, well, you think you're a man saying that to me? I was bricking it. But yeah, yeah. 
He, he thought I fronted him out and fucked off. So yeah. I, was lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was lucky, but nowadays there's, that doesn't exist the same way, you know. So people are free to, and you know, let's face it, free enterprises. What's out there? I mean, years ago, in this country, you couldn't have a shop selling the same product as another shop within so many hundred yards. Mm. That's all out the window now. You've seen it with shops, you know, that open, and then another shop doing the same product opens next door. It becomes like a little battle with them. But no, no, it's 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 still going all right. It will last about another ten years before there's a a downturn in it. You know, because there was a, there's, there, there was a massive kind of interest in tattoos. It can't say it was very in vogue. Is that still? Still the case? You still get plenty of work coming? You know what the thing is, though? I mean, there's there's various things that have changed it. I mean, when I first started, the the demographic of tattooing was pretty much white, working-class males, 18 to 35. Um, then you sort of had hip-hop came along, mm. NBA was, like, promoted a lot, and a lot of the people within those... Um, scenes had tattoos so you started to see the black community getting tattoos which they didn't really do before you know mm. then <clears throat> you didn't have many women getting tattoos then Miami Ink come along with Kat Von D yep. now there's so many women tattooists out there so there's different markets that have been opened up as they say and the the, the pie has got actually bigger before it was smaller you know yeah yeah so yeah, it's it's doing okay. Do you ever? How often do you get? I'm sure you've had this question, but it's interesting for people that haven't, perhaps ain't been involved or been to tattoo shops often, not familiar with it. But how often do you get tattoos? You think, fuck, yeah, that's a bad idea. Or to, do, to, do you just go in and do it, or do you? Well, advise? I'll be honest with you, because I'm at the age I am now. In, in my shop, we don't do political tattoos, we don't do genital tattoos, we don't do facial tattooing because <laughs> they're, you know. Personally, on the genital side of things, I've never been that skint that I've got. <laughs> you want to grab hold of some decent <laughs> old chap to earn a couple of quid? And uh, <laughs> I, I should rectify: we don't do male genital tattoo. Yeah. No. Um, and uh, on the political side of things, I mean, <clears throat> I grew up in the eighties, where uh, the, the political scene was just pretty mad on all sides, you mm. know. And how you feel when you're a certain age can, can change. And facial tattooing, you know, is much more acceptable than it used to be. But the way I look at it is if somebody you loved came home with their whole face tattooed, yeah. would you be happy with that? What do you think about the, 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 bloke, the bloke that's reshaped his head so he looks like a parrot? Do you know what? <laughs> I've got to be honest. It's not even funny. You, no, think it's like you this. know, when you see things like this, I know people will say that it's freedom of choice of the individual. But I mean, he seems uh, fairly comfortable yeah, doing, yeah. doing what he's done. I mean, he's had he's had his ears chopped off. He's got no ears. No, but fuck me, <laughs> like, sitting on a perch all day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, seriously, you know, you've got to question the people that do this to the person. I mean, uh, they, people might say that about tattooing, but I think there's these boundaries, I mean, boundaries, yeah. and that, you know. But there's always people that have wanted to look like. Uh, Tattooed animals. I know someone who, who's, you know, was tattooed like a zebra. Another guy that was tattooed like a leopard. Good job didn't fucking meet each other. Is there any kind of le legislation against this sort of stuff? Is there a law that says you have to provide care for the clients? 
you know, you know. Well, under the tattooing of Miners Act 1969, uh, unless it's for medical procedure and done under medical supervision, you can't tattoo someone who's under 18. Yeah. Um, I mean, for <clears throat> what you choose to do on people, that's between the, the tattooists code or morals if you want you know um, does there exist some ring code or is it about just where you are choice of the individual you know i mean you have to be licensed by your local health authority to have a studio mm. and uh they come and inspect you make sure that everything is to to their liking and to the guidelines set down yeah which is you, more about health and safety whereas i guess what you're saying flav is is if someone comes in and, and, and asks for something that you probably think, why would you want that tattoo on your back? You know, we it's try not and, your, it's we try like and not your business, is it, really? We, 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 we try and advise people, but there's a whole new generation of people that look at things on Pinterest yeah, and Google Images or Instagram, and they think that what they're looking at is going to last to look that good. Sometimes these tattoos, the photo is taken the minute they're done, mm. and the wearability, the longevity of them isn't going to work, you yeah. know? And you try and tell this to people, and you can see them just looking at you, thinking, you're lying. (laughs) And then I always say to them, listen, you think I'm lying to you. I could take your money off you under false pretenses, because in the end, you're not going to be happy with what you've got. Um, Some of them take that on board. Others just go somewhere else. I got got three tattoos done when I was 17, and each one of them's gone covered up. <clears throat> because uh, what I thought was a good idea at the time was a horrendous <laughs> idea. Um, well, that is the thing, isn't it, for all of us, even myself, you know. I mean, I had tattoos done. I was mad on the rock and roll scene. I had a picture of a teddy boy. Now look at me. Fuck me, my quiff. <laughs> my cliff, you know, cliff, quiff, quiff. Left this world the same time as Elvis. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you was involved against the fight against... Uh, legislation for toes is that why I've got, I, I read something I, in the paper no what, the, the one I got involved was uh, there was an MP called Teresa Gorman who wanted to make it that you couldn't have a tattoo unless you have in, had insurance for if you wanted to get it removed because she said that the NHS were spending too much money on tattoo removals yeah. and she had all these MPs that supported her I just sent her a letter that said you know what what if the people get tattooed abroad? What if they do it on their own? It's impossible to police. If you if it's costing the NHS money to remove tattoos, take it off the NHS. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, that's the whole thing. Half of these MPs that, that, you know, they might be university educated, they might have a pile of degrees or that behind them, but sometimes you realise with them, common sense ain't too common around them, you know? Yeah. And uh, I also read about the studio that was in uh, Pennable Road, yeah, I forgot the name. Of Jock. It. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he passed away, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but it, it said in this that you had to be uh, as much a tattoo artist as a bouncer. That the you got some. The thing is, the King's Cross of the nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties was a, t- a bit of a different area to what it is now. Um, it was the. Well, it's got the, Nando's now, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when, you, when you think that in those in those days. <laughs> Uh, King's Cross and St Pancras, people come in from, from the north of England looking for the bright lights of London, you know. You're, you're talking about times before satellite TV, before the internet, so people would hear stories, people travel, but a bit like people coming all over Europe now from other countries, they think they're coming to a land where the streets are paved with gold. And in those days, around the King's Cross area, there's a huge prostitution problem, huge drug and huge alcohol problem. 
and Jock's little shop was in King's Cross and he told me how the pimps worked. They'd go to the station, they'd see these young girls <coughs> that come down from up north, they're all starry-eyed, they're lost, they get them drinking or they look after and be a boyfriend in the end, they get them on the game, you know, it's, it's subtle, it's grooming with them, but that whole area was a bit of a cesspit and people come in that shop, man, and I tell you, sometimes you you got a man up to it, you know? And that old boy who had that shop taught me, they said, you really have to know who your enemies are. Because mm-hmm. I've seen a geezer go in there one time, get a tattoo and just put a little bit of money in his hand and it weren't a full price. And I thought, Jock, he was a big old fella, he was about 25 stone. I said to him, well, what's all that about? Mm-hmm. And he said, sometimes you've got to know your enemies. He said, that is one dangerous man. Yeah. And that's what you've got to do in life, you know, you've got to judge situations before you act. Pick you know? and choose your fights. Yeah. That's why I've never been in a fight. <laughs> so to be honest with you, that's a good thing. <laughs> it is a good thing. All right, uh, thank you so much for that. That was really interesting. Um, we've got to move on to the football because people will start whinging. Okay, um, whinge. I know. I can do what we want. I've talked about Spurs for five years. I'd happily talk about tattooing for the next <laughs> half hour. But there you go. Um, we've got Monaco and uh, Newcastle. Obviously, the game final, eighteen eighty two, two thousand fifteen. Probably. The, the final one of the season, although we've got Leicester. At home, and yeah. it's funny, like, it, the draw was made, and you thought, oh, it's just Leicester at home, but they're like, they're top of the league, clear by three points, aren't they? Yeah, but they're not just out of the FA Cup last year, if you remember. Yeah, that's, that's true. And no one's trusted Michel Vorm since that, since yeah. that goal. It was, he's not even a, he's not a bad keeper, but just that one mistake has it, it changed everyone's mind about him. He came under a kind of bit of a fanfare. A very thought, good reputation, yeah. yeah, yeah People thought, why would he be a second choice keeper here? And we've somehow destroyed him. They want Gomez or Vaughan? Yeah, well, I'd still take Vaughan, to be fair. Yeah, I'd take, take Vaughan all day long. Uh, I was, thinking, was having this conversation at work the other day about uh, the goalkeepers that were just happy to spend their career on the bench knowing they'll never ever get a chance. <laughs> like Steve Harper at Newcastle. Yeah. Um, I, I, I saw Richard Wright's name mentioned the other day. Yeah. He, he's still third choice keeper at City. Unbelievable! I mean, what a life! It's like it's like being paid for me to do my office job, even though I work from home, and not actually do my work. Yeah, it's like you're, you're <laughs> three places on the sofa. <laughs> but there are there are there are keepers that would love to play. Like we had that young kid Jordan Archer. He got tattooed at my shop. Yeah, he's a really nice kid. You know what I mean? I would have loved it if he if he could have like made it because it was in him to do that, and he was for Tottenham. And we've let him go, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, he's gone out. I can't remember, I can't even tell you where he's gone now, but he, he was kind of well thought of after a, a, yeah, for a while. Yeah, some of the leagues, yeah. I remember Mike Hooper from Liverpool, going, yeah. going a bit further back, he was second choice for many years. Mm. Yeah. Who remembers Gary Sprake from Leeds? I remember. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was ever prone. He played at Tottenham once, right, and there was that much snow on the pitch, I swear, they got a goal kick... And he made a big pile of snow and put a ball on it. <laughs> and, and, and the ref stopped him from taking the kick. You know? It won't touch him. And he threw the ball in his own net once. You remember that classic? He, he was known for that. He was known for doing these kind of things all the time. A spray captain. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, I don't know, Monaco, we've qualified. you expect Pochettino to massive, rotate? Massive changes. Opportunity to rest Kane. Opportunity to rest a lot of them. Rest them all. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't... I mean, I know there's this thing about... We need to win to avoid the Dortmund. Big, yeah, I mean, you know, there's no. Actually, sorry, no. If we win, Dortmund are finishing second in their group. We could get Dortmund in the next round. Okay, no, then we the need other, to lose. Him. The other threat is, is that you've got Chelsea, Man U, and Arsenal who could also be in the Europa League. So. None of them. Are and do you know what a hope they are? Yeah, fucking, <laughs> <let's> have <laughs> fucking have them. But if we, we need to win the group, and also um, Andelek play Carabag at home. So if Andelek win that, and we don't win, then they'll beat up, and we'll be second. So. um... 
we want we want we want to win the game. But I think he will make a few changes. Um, I didn't see the whole West Brom game. I heard that Kane looked absolutely knackered, and he'll need a rest. He looked knackered. He looked isolated. He looked he's, he's, he's tired though. But the thing is, thinking thinking about it, looking at our squad, it's not like we've got that much to pick from. So like, it's, all, it's all attacking. All of our um, all of our second choices are attackers. Like Clinton is not getting a game. Chadley be back from injury. We've got, we've got, we've got, got a few defenders that can come in at the back. I mean, just, he's just rotate. Fazio. You know, <laughs> okay, we haven't got any defenders to bring in. <laughs> but yeah, us back in the day, we we were able to rotate. Remember, remember, you always used to see comparisons. Here's Tottenham start the best starting eleven, yeah. and here's our second team. We've got two teams, and it's like, well, the second team is actually quite shit, mm. which is why it ends up playing in the Europa League, and it, there's no there's no sort of rhythm to it. Whereas now, I think we do have a template, we do have a rhythm. You can swap three players. You can swap five players. Yeah. And we still play the same type of football. So I don't think I don't think we'll be weakened. We'll be weakened in the sense that we won't have our our top players. But at the same time, I think we're capable of winning. I think all of us want that to happen, though, don't they? They want we want to see a kind of reserve team go out there. Really, we want to see like a Carter Vickers type player. You know, get a get a run out because there's a lot of excitement about him. But. Um, I think Pochettino is someone who doesn't really bother doing wholesale changes. I mean, even when there's been games when we've said, um, yeah, you should really switch things up, and he played a really strong team. Carabag away was an example. Yeah. But we all said, you know what, let's just put a second string out there. Yeah. And we went out there, won one, it was the West Ham the next game after that. Mm. And, well, you know, we, we pulverised them. This is the one criticism for, from, for Pochettino in terms of last season. Chelsea, um, the fact that he didn't rotate, and we did burn out a little bit. So I guess that's where... With this whole, well, it's a, it's a fine balance in that. I mean, look at the Arsenal game in the League Cup. You know, we didn't go strong with that, and we and we paid for it. I think we. Well, I mean, I don't know. We, you talked about the fitness bit. We haven't peaked yet. And um, was that one of your from one of your sources? I know you don't talk about your sources. It's not really a source, though, is it? Like, it's, it's, but it as is, much as did you read it on Twitter or did you hear it? No, off I did not read right. something I read on Twitter. Just people in, involved at Tottenham that are, are, are telling other people. That go to hospital because right, you're you know, a big time blogger. You get you get your savvy. Mate, I'm not a big time anything. Believe me, but <laughs> yeah, apparently well, they're yeah. so impressed with what he's done and what they're doing on the training pitch that this team is robust enough to to go the distance. I still worry that if we haven't got key players in key positions that we can rotate, because Kane, we're talking about him burning out, but he could pick up a knock. Yeah, and, and, then, yeah. and then what? I mean, we have to. We have to. I know you're saying, and, and rightly so, that the title is. A, a pretty ridiculous thing to talk about, but why not prepare for the potential that everyone else is pretty inconsistent by going out and protecting the momentum we've got by buying a striker, by buying maybe another player somewhere? Well, it's certainly the most unpredictable and, Premiership I think that I've ever. Yeah. To dare is to do. So says the, the banners across White Hart Lane yeah, that they ripped up. <laughs> whether he dare get the checkbook out and do well, this something is it. another thing, but. You know, we've been. I think that Spurs fans have known for a long time, for a long time, for probably ten seasons, that really strikers we should have invested. When we've had the chance, we've bought some that really. Saha was. was that's it? what I was going to say. I mean, I yeah. don't like to. I don't really like to slag players. Off. I don't know if that's the right word, really, or put them down. But sometimes you just think you, you could have spent the money more wisely. Absolutely. Yeah. That season when when we when we signed Saha and Nelson as as, as kind of bodies, mm. as, as, as Ari put it, we, we've never consolidated when we we should have and um, we should have yeah. taken a, whether it's a risk or not. Um, we've sort of gone 
sort of half cocked into it, and it, and it's it's backfired. I mean, we were asked about the forum um, that happened last week, um, and they said they are looking for strikers. But the worry I have is that if they if they hear that we're after strikers, they say, okay, we want your striker. They'll double his price. They don't know we're desperate for a striker, so we can't really win. If we say, well, we're happy how we are, the fans aren't going to be happy. If we say we're desperate for a striker, people like the prize up. But I think it's I think Barry Eno is obviously a name that will keep coming up until. Yeah. Tottenham never listen though. My mate who's got DeFranco's best Italian restaurant in the world in Fry and Barnet, Daniel, he, he was saying we should get Cavani, we should get Cavani. <laughs> hey, but really, before anyone had even heard of him. Oh, well, right, right, not now. Because he's Italian. Yeah. And I swear to you, I, I phoned somebody at the club and said, Bye, my mate good. from the Italian restaurant <laughs> yeah. reckons we should get Cavani. This is the, this is, these are the sources <laughs> that they wouldn't normally get. See? Lau Hardy's t- uh, player recommendations. Well, Daniel Delandro's really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> should have a meat How party. good is this Italian restaurant? Is it good? Yeah, really good. We should go there, but it's shut tonight. Oh, right. Was it Fran Fr- Barnett? Yeah. There you go. Go and visit it. Um, Newcastle had a big win against Liverpool. I fucking loved it. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I loathe Liverpool as much as, not as much as Arsenal or Chelsea, but in that ballpark. I think I loathe them because of how much the media love them. Yeah, you know, there's that. Like... And I've, there's a couple of my mates that I think they're genuinely decent human beings until they talk about Liverpool and then I fucking hate their guts. Well, I hate them because if they, when they won the, the European Cup and then they changed the parameters for yeah. them to get back into it, that's yeah, what yeah. fucking cost us. Mm. That's how Chelsea got back in there. I mean, right. how can a team that finishes sixth but wins that, be allowed to, to represent. It's just... But that's the Tottenham luck, isn't it? It is, there is something about our club that we've just we've learned they to They better have some feng shui yeah. at this new stadium. <laughs> yeah. We're going to fucking need it. Uh, but yeah, it was a great win. And uh, is this going to kind of buoy them up? Yeah, but it's a good thing. Let them come and attack. Yeah, because that opens the game up and allows us to attack. And, and, it, think... and it may stop our... Uh, sorry to interject. No, no, it, may, it may stop... Any complacency that we fought, you mm. know, if you've got a team that's lost, keeps losing, suddenly they've had a win. I'm sure that the boss would be saying to them, Hey, listen, yeah, yeah exactly. You saw what happened Sunday, yeah. Now you've stopped laughing, get out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, they won, they beat, is it Norwich 6 2? I think so. One out of got about five goals or four. He got four. Goals. He looks the part, that kid. He's um, a good player. He does. He, he is. I, I looked at his record because I didn't know much about him, I certainly didn't know how to pronounce his name, and then. Uh, I, I looked at he played for Feyenoord he played like 98 90, 90 games for them then he went to PSV he's a team out of Dubai alright there you go so he's he, he's, mm. he's a, he was relied upon by top clubs in Holland and then Newcastle come along it was, and a, weird, it was a weird move at the time I thought why would he join them obviously he's joined them for, for the money or, no what well, you talk I, I read some interviews with him and he he he, he played for a youth club uh, it's called Sparta Sparta Feyenoord or some, some sort of B team and he talks about how much he loved playing for them and these other clubs came in he goes I don't watch football I'm not interested in playing with these uh, star names I really enjoy my football I don't want to go don't necessarily want to go to these big clubs and then he was um, basically advised that you have to go to Feyenoord if they come in for you because mm. this is good for your career so I don't know if it is the money I think maybe that 14 million was such a massive amount of money for Newcastle to pay that he was probably forced out the door. But you, yeah, maybe there's that. I mean, he, he just, won, he just won the league. He's a player, though. He just won the league as well. Yeah. But, he's I mean, definitely a standout player, though, yeah. and someone we have to be wary of. That finish for uh, he chipped over a million, uh, million yeah. My My worry was um, 
that McLaren is going to get sacked. They're going to get a new manager. The new manager bounce on yeah. Sunday would have come against us. Been, been, yeah. No, no, it doesn't, close. no. Because if you think about it, we've had a couple of games this season, haven't we? The Klopp and, Klopp and Villa. Yeah. yeah. You know. We smashed Villa. So, yeah, years ago, we, would have, we definitely would have lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I went on Newcastle's Reddit and asked them how they felt about Spurs. Um and what they think is happening at their club and how they feel now, because this was just after they'd, they'd beat Liverpool, which no one expected. Um, they said they basically respect what's going on at Spurs. They can see that the, you know Spurs are going about, about things the right way. They alluded to what you said, Lau, about it, it being kind of under the radar, just mm. plodding along and doing the right thing. Um, they feel that the only way they can play against Tottenham is is to sit back and counter and hope that um, they get a chance, which it wasn't the way they played against Liverpool. I don't think that suits them. Well, the, the, way, the way they beat Liverpool was playing them at their own game. They pressed brilliantly. Mm. Um, they were accurate with the, go- uh, with, with the ball when they got it back. Cissé held the ball up brilliantly. Um, but they had a bit of fortune because Liverpool had a good goal disallowed. Yeah, yeah, it was onside, weren't it? Yeah. And a good finish. Well, I don't know if he meant it, but that was a great finish. He, he did. Uh, he, he was onside. Doesn't he fair. resemble Canelo Alvarez? Yeah, he does look a lot it's like a him. Fucking yeah. spitting image. Um, but they, I think they played. They played brilliantly. They, they showed a lot of fight. Um, and, and and I'm not worried. I think we're going to smash him five or six probably. <laughs> but but there's something in that Liverpool uh, Newcastle team, and it probably belies their position in the league. Um, well, they, they're quite inconsistent. You don't know what what version of, of them are going to turn up. Um, yeah, just uh, just to finish this, sorry, uh, Wijnaldum is their key. Uh, although he has been on form apparently before yesterday, been a little bit out, out of uh, out of form. They also rate De Jong really highly. They said that one of the keys is on the on there said that they compare him to Ericsson. But he's that, not been fit. Well, whatever. I'm just telling yeah. you what they said. Um, Dem- <laughs> and he said, but they also said Dembele in in midfield is going to have a field day against Colback and Anita. So uh, and and they hate us as much as they hate us. Say, well, yeah, come on, you're Spurs <laughs> I did read every message that they sent in a, a Geordie accent. You can't help. To it. be fair, my mate, he, he's uh, another tattooist. Works in London. Stevie Skunks, Steve Richardson. He's a, a Geordie through and through. And I asked him, you know, because I, I sent him a message saying, "Well done, you know, to beat Liverpool." Yeah. And he just said, "We really admire what's happening at Tottenham." He, he did say the thing. You're under the radar. Going about your business, yeah. fair play. Yeah, yeah. And then he put, "Way well, over you lose, you fucking bastard." <laughs> <laughs> the problem with the players that they have as well, the players see Newcastle as a stepping stone, and that kind of shows. And they don't always give the all. And yesterday was almost um, the opposite of that because yesterday they worked so hard because Liverpool they, they pressed the ball, but you got people like Cabello and um, and Dion who they admire, people who. Was it that there's so much luxury players? These are players that don't always put their foot in. So mm. it'd be interesting to see if Liverpool game is a turning point for them, which is kind of what they're hoping from their point of view. I saw enough in Cissé to think that maybe he's the striker we should buy no. as number two. I remember when when he first came in the league. There were so many so many angry fans when they when they bought Demba Bar and um, Cissé. Yeah, so why did we buy it? Because this is the time when we bought Louis Saha, and oh. and now look at Cesar. It, it won't. He won't. His goal scoring. I mean, he he is a good goal scorer. He has proven that he can score goals in the Premier League. But his hold, his his hold up play was was very good against Liverpool. He oh. very rarely gave the ball away. He is a little bit ambling. <laughs> I I think a little cheeky six million, seven million bid would, would turn his head. Textbook Spurs. You're looking at the hold up play. You're not banging in. Yeah, yeah Soldado Marty. Yeah, you got an assist Sorry, last weekend. Was I not right about Ericsson? Is that no? 
Well, we talk about that, shall we now? Yeah, or we'll leave let's or, let's or, let's I, wasn't, I wasn't on the pod that way. Well, let's talk about the cock <laughs> in the room. Let's, in, let's uh, quickly do uh, predictions, then we'll come on to Ericsson. Um, 2 1 2 1. Okay, for both games. Yeah, I'll go with that, but 3 1 Newcastle. Uh, we beat Newcastle 3 1. Uh, what do you reckon? Uh, uh, Monaco score and then Newcastle. Uh, Monaco depends what team he puts out, but maybe 2 1. Newcastle. I think we're going to do them big time. Yeah. Four? Five? It's my birthday that weekend, so come on, you Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to back that up. I'm going to say 5 nil Spurs. Um, big. Okay, so last week we talked about Ericsson. Well, I talked about Ericsson, and I gave him a bit of stick. And all I said, really, all I said was that he he has been our least informed player and on, if it wasn't Ericsson, if it was Dembele or Lamella, people would have called him, called him for him to be dropped. But because he's kind of like a star in everyone's eyes, they don't see it. I think they're a bit blinded by it. some garly shirt syndrome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it was Ericsson throwing the shirt, it would be like a bit of a, uh, you know, about passion and whatever. But I, I think Ericsson could be dropped based on his form. But apparently, and then there was a million responses to this. It went off basically. On Reddit, bloody, I was like World War Three. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it went off a little bit, and uh, there was a lot of stats flying back. And I don't read stats, so even if stats prove anything, I won't read what you send because I'm not interested in them. But there was an article in these Football Times, right? These Football Times. Yeah, um, I mean, in in a very nu- roughly, what in a nutshell, they said what Ericsson does is that he occupies space and in, when, and in doing so he get, he pulls players towards him because when players plan against Spurs, when they plan their formation, they're going to play against us. Yep. They plan for Ericsson. So Ericsson often stands in the position where in between the defensive midfielder and the centre. And and so he makes them player. think yeah. where he so sort of brings players out of position. So he's someone who uses space quite effectively. He's not someone who can go past players. He's not quick. So sometimes when you're watching him, you, you don't, it doesn't look like he's actually doing much, but he actually is. Um, the point I made last week, I'll make it again, is that you do feel with Ericsson that there's more in his locker and he's not playing to his 200%. Mm. And that's where I kind of agreed with you lost. I don't think he's our worst player by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, that's uh, not, I didn't say he's our worst player. I, I, said, he's the, the, he, he, I said he could he's be He's our dropped. shittest player. Based on form, he's our worst player currently, and it's that's di- still the case. It's, it's difficult because I, I, I see it a, a different way with Ericsson that he he seeks out that space to be able to actually receive the ball and then thread it, yeah, or, or, or create something, yeah, and and that could be quite a frustrating responsibility because not every team like West Brom on the weekend well, they, they are going to basically they put Johnny Evans. Well, this is it. It's sometimes he he can't find that space, and you think, well, he's not played well. Well, it's just that your position. Have been clever enough to, to to cause him to cause him a problem. I think in terms of the way Spurs line up these days. Back in the day, when we had the luxury player, we kind of looked at that luxury player to create something out of nothing. Yeah. Whereas I think Ericsson, by default, has to sacrifice a lot of that creativity and vision. He's got to fit into the system and support the system as part of the first role. Mm. So he supports the system. So he does all this grafting like pulling players away and whatever else but at the same time he's looking for that opportunity to get to get in somewhere where he can do some damage right. so it looks like well he's playing within himself but I think it's more to do with the, the system being disciplined enough not to fall apart and to transition defence midfield into attack to compensate for his inadequacy yeah so it, I, I do get is that what you're saying no you're tricking me here no right I, but 
of Jedi mind trick. Well, I'm yeah. not. I'm just. I'm. I'm trying to get around. I'm, around not, what you're I'm not. I'm not apologising for the fact that he maybe isn't consistent. We know he's not consistent. Yeah. He's 23 years old. It's another thing. You look at his hairline. Yeah. You know, hello, and you think, well, he's, he's older <laughs> than he is. He's been around for a long time, but he's still a young guy. And and I, I don't know whether it was with AVB when AVB first came to Tottenham. Ericsson found himself sort of on the fringes, we couldn't quite fit him in. And it might have happened with Pochettino. I might be misremembering that. If I am, someone's going to correct me. But he, it's almost like you've got a player that should go out there and dominate, Can dictate I, tempo and the rest of it. I think but We're not set up to do that. I do you think know what I mean? any player, uh, any professional player, if they're playing at that level, should be able to do follow instructions. So Ericsson is doing that. You're playing in that number yeah. 10 or, yeah. or, or on, the, on the left. And you're told to take up space between the defenders. Which he at, does. Which he does. But I could probably do that. No, it, you, oh, believe me, you no you chance. Every, everything depends on, on what the manager tells them and whether they're prepared to have a belief in him. It's a bit like having a, an army, isn't it? Yeah. If you've got a, a colonel or a major or a general telling you to do something, do you want to charge straight over the top with your rifle in front of you? Yeah. Or do you go around the edge or whatever? And I think that... With Pochettino, I think that a lot of the players are taking on board what he says. And yeah. Hopefully, it will prove to be the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is the right way. I, I think they're all doing the right thing. And Ericsson is doing what he's told, certainly off the ball. It clear, it's clear that it is, and, and, and the diagrams prove that. All I'm saying, <laughs> all I'm saying, right, is that it's not... It's OK for people to be critical of him. If... Oh, when yeah, he's got the ball, he's but, not delivering because that ultimately is his role. He creates a space between the players and the midfield, uh, the defenders in midfield. But if he's not setting up key chances, if he's he not, does, according to the numbers. Oh, according to the stats, the stats again. All right, you, said, yeah. it you said it doesn't create chances. Well, you know, I can't remember one one uh, kind of proper chance that he's created in recent. He's time. assisted a lot this season. Has he? Yeah. When was the last time? He's assisted a lot this season. Guess <laughs> <laughs> about Tamiyo too. Look, all right, I, look, did he really? All right, fair enough. Look, my bad. But um, what I'm saying is, is that I haven't been impressed with him. It's okay for people to be critical of him. I'm not saying he isn't the answer. He's a great, great player. He's just, in my opinion, out of form. And everyone got their knickers into it. The, just problem, the problem I, I had, that. the problem I had with um, the people who are defending them was that they were throwing numbers in the air, and I'm like, well, look, you've watched the game. I've watched the game. Tell me what I should tell, tell us what we should be seeing. I actually think Ericsson's done all right, and it's telling that he plays ninety minutes every week and that he never gets subbed. Um, Chadley and Lamella get subbed more often than most other players. That's, that's as um, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Maybe someone else has got worse numbers. Ericsson rarely gets subbed, so there must be something in that that the manager sees what he does on the pitch and two, doesn't see fit to sub. Two two things, and I'm sure you'll relate to this, or I'm sure we could all relate to this. And we're part of the problem because we're sitting here analysing football under a microscope. Whereas back in the day, you go to Spurs and were you entertained? Did you see a brilliant moment of flair, magic vision, back of the net, whatever? And you'd come away with, with that. Whereas now, we've got these heat maps, we've got all the, the stats that, that the world can throw at us. And we, 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 we kind of dissect the game to the point where we, we pull the fucking joy out of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, you're right, what, what T's saying against the stat people is... What did you see with your eyes? Were you entertained? Did he, was he effective? Yeah. Did he play a glorious ball? Like, Are you not making any opinions until you've seen the stats? Yeah, so the stats thing, I've, I've always been pretty anti-stats because like stats make 
Ozil looked like a good player, and we all know shit. Stats so, make politicians look like good guys. Well, exactly. there you go. There you go. That's fucking it. So just yep. leave the stats out. Of the it, other thing, it. which ties into what we were talking about, I think, in the first part, um, about three wins in eight and whatever else, like, technically, you could say we're 15 league games into Pochettino's team. That This is this season, it's his team. Last season, it wasn't. It was an inherited side, a bunch of players that he was testing... You failed, you, you're getting sold. You failed, you're getting sold. This season, arguably, it's his team. So everything that we do is new. The mistakes, the good things about the, every, everything. Yeah. So you could argue that Ericsson is still finding his way. I mean, if it's taken Lamella two years to find a role in the team, even though it's not the 30 million quid we paid for, you know, with Ericsson, maybe, maybe he just needs a bit more time. It's 15 games. It's does, crazy. Yeah, of course he does. Like, we're, I, we're talking about, like, three games into the season, there were people on fucking social media that were questioning, oh, we should get rid of the, the manager now. Crystal Palace have got a better team than us. So, and it, yeah, yeah. Fucking calm down. You're three games into a new season. <laughs> we hardly had the pre-season either. Like, give it time. Think, you know, the problem with Spurs is that in the past, I think we've just got used to... To accepting it's going to fail, so we think, fucking get rid of the manager, bring in the next one. Yeah, it's not, it's not new, it's new. an interesting actual concept because you know every every game there's like thirty five thousand managers watching, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. and, 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 Differing opinions, you know, and, that, and that's one of the one of the things that if we were to be able to look back at some of the the opinions or judgments we've made. At the end of a season, oh, we contradict ourselves yeah. all the time. We've actually yeah. made ourselves sound a bit silly. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I first to admit that I know nothing compared to what the manager knows. Pochettino, if Pochettino thinks Ericsson should be in mm. that team, and I'll happily say, "Fucking right, of course mm. he should." Do you know what? Though sometimes, you know, we we know that managers they're there to do a job, but sometimes you get players that suddenly it just all gels. Yeah, and even if there weren't a manager there, they could do it, mm. and hopefully. I would like to see that. You know when, you know when you see a ball, a player pings it, it's straight to the other player, yeah. it's gone to him and there. And we've had periods like that at yeah. Tottenham, and then you get the other times where you got a Dawson <laughs> diagonal yeah, yeah. the pitch where it's where it's not happening. You know, but that's, you, that's football, isn't it? Did you see that ball that Kane played out to out to the left against West Brom? It, it kind of fell to him. It was awkwardly just behind him, and he hit this snap ball across the field, and it landed either at Roses or. Who was playing on the left son? I don't mm. know. It was in the second half, and it was an incredible ball. And I watched it at the time. And thought, fuck me, how has he managed to pull that? Like, it landed literally at his foot, and he must have hit it he's, 60, 70 yards across. He's going to be such a good player for Real Madrid. Yeah, well, well let's move well, on to this, this question. So it says <laughs> uh, we've got a question from. Hang on, sorry, uh, Luke Henry on Facebook. He says Sharon recently said that Kane shouldn't leave it too late before moving away from Spurs. That maybe he's not a prick like you, Teddy. And uh, Bale has recently said that he's not the player he was at the mighty Spurs. So, what are your thoughts on this? Should what if you was Harry Kane's dad, Lau? Mm-hmm. If you was his dad, what would you be saying to him? What would you be advising him? Well, let's see at the end of the season what's happened with him. I mean, last season was unbelievable for him, wasn't it? Yeah. I would like to think that he'd stay at Spurs and won't get his head turned. But as we said, you know, the pressure from money, agents, outside influences will always be a, be a factor that you have to contend with. And it must be frustrating for a chairman of a club when it happens, you know, because there's clubs, some of the clubs you wonder about their their moral thing with the money and that, you know. And with Gareth Bale, I mean, how brilliant was it seeing him? 
when he was there at Tottenham. It was incredible. You, know, yeah. you can't blame him for leaving. And I tell you, this is honestly God's truth. Because I used to go in the players' lounge and uh, they they did a shirt that said "Taxi for Mycon" outside yeah, the stadium. That's right. Yeah. And I bought it for his mum and dad because they <laughs> used to go in there. And I swear to you, I know it wouldn't have made any difference, but I just said to his dad, I know your son will leave our club. Yeah. Please tell him, don't go to a Premier League club and he'll be a hero here forever. Yeah. And I, for one, would welcome him back yeah. at Tottenham tomorrow. Fucking hell, Without right, a, shadow, yeah. without Could a you shadow, imagine? shadow of a doubt. And, imagine and, it. And, you know, sadly, he probably will come back to a Prem club. But it'll Man probably United. be Man U yeah, or Man Chelsea City. or Man City. Um, yeah. But that's na- nature of the game, and I think that to be fair to, to, to Gareth Bale, he conducted himself in a really good, good way, didn't he? With leaving and that, some players, it's not been the same. So well, I think there's, um, <laughs> I think uh, Levy said in the fans forum about um, it was really hard with Modric and was it one other? I can't remember. He said, but it was just it was difficult to keep them when they decided they want to go. Mm. There's little you can the, do. The, the Modric thing, though, I mean. Um, you know, we had Corluca there, and Modric was good friends with him. And, yeah. and I think that and Cranchar as well. Cranchar, Nico Cranchar, and sometimes you find that with players there are little things together. Your little not a, a clicks the wrong word. Yeah, but there, there's a comfort zone with them, and if one player goes or if one thinks they're leaving, it can upset the balance. You know, mm. and it's happened. It happened a little bit with us with the amount of English players that left. You know, yeah. I mean, Ledley, he, had, he, you know, he had to retire, but Genus, Ledley, Defoe, Aaron, all them guys, Darren Bent, they was all mates together there. And what it seems about now is that there seems to be, everyone seems to be mates. Like, there's a big Belgian contingent, but there seems to be friends. Hmm. I don't know if that's true, actually. I don't well, know if it means... Well, I haven't heard of a fight in the shower rooms, which I did hear happened <laughs> when AVB was there. But really? I say with there. No? <laughs> no. Right, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> we've got to go. We've got something. We've got but um, no, when Dembele had that horror challenge from McLean, yeah. the way the players just all you know, all clubbed together as one to try and smash McLean's face. <laughs> in, you know, that's, quite, that's quite admirable. Um, well, it was, it's what we talked about with Valley as well, right? Comrades, man, comrades. Yeah, brothers in arms. Yeah, man, comrades. The white fist of Tottenham. Yep, Lily White, white fist. fist. The Lily White Fist, sorry, White Fist, this means something else. <laughs> 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 the Lily White Fist, sorry. Um, okay, well, that's it from the Fighting Court podcast. It's been a long one, Lau. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Very nice of you to invite me. No, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I've got a favour to ask. Yeah. Okay, so my dad was on a couple of uh, weeks ago, and as I said, he, he said that we're going to win the league, right? And we thought that was a bit bit of a bold move. So to kind of mirror his enthusiasm, we said if we're going to win the league, and his name's Dave, uh, anyone who's listened to the podcast and anyone who's been involved in... Not you yet, allowed yeah. because, you know, you weren't involved at the time, but we're going to get the word Dave tattooed on us, right? If we win the league. So they could be up to... Maybe- Dave, if they win the league, I'm getting Dave tattooed on me. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but we, can we get, like, it might be about 50 to 100 people uh, to come down to <laughs> New Wave Tattoo and get Dave tattooed somewhere on the body. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we'll pay. Oh, oh, I'll do it. I'll, if we win the league, I'm doing it for nothing. <laughs> yeah. oh, yes. That's superb. We're not winning the league, are we? So it doesn't really matter. But no, I'm, I'm getting extra inking. I'm beginning to go yeah, with Dave's no, league. That's <laughs> it. Uh, thank you very much, Book. That's all right. Coming down once again. See. Cheers, dude. And this has been the Fighting Cup Podcast. Thank you very much. See. What? Uh, the toilet's fucked. You can have a piss, but don't poo.
Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 This summer, when you're on the go, stay connected to what matters most with access to over 3 million Cox Wi-Fi hotspots. Learn more at cox.com. Ask Ashley the Podcast is sponsored by Cox. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.